Welcome to Reimagining Schools, a podcast by the Edupreneur Academy. In today's episode, we're going to talk with Marvin Vilma of Boston, Massachusetts, who has an inspiring story for us about overcoming obstacles to become an edupreneur. Hi, Marvin. Thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Erin. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Well, we got to meet at the ASU GSB conference in San Diego, which was beautiful. So it was nice to meet you there. And I had a great time. Did you have a good time at the summit? I did have a good time. It felt good meeting other education innovators and folks in the ecosystem. I'm definitely glad that I had the chance to go this first time around. And I'm looking forward to hopefully joining again in April next year. Me too. Yeah, it was a great uh, way to make some networking connections. And I'm glad we got to meet. So I would love to, um, I appreciate you being on the podcast and I would love for you to just tell us a little bit more about your background and how you got into education and entrepreneurship and how you got started in all of this. Sure thing. Um, so my background or my story really starts back in New York City where I was raised. Um, my parents um, raised me in a community called Jamaica, Queens, New York, which is predominantly Afro-Caribbean and Latinx and um, lots of like low income folks lived in that neighborhood. And my parents who immigrated from Haiti, when they came to the United States, when they came to New York, um, were really adamant that education was a way to improve one's um, you know, life, to pursue financial stability and security. And so uh, I just remember back in New York, being a part of all these different enrichment programs and academic programs, literally anything that was free that related to uh, education, my parents probably sent me to that program or opportunity. And so they instilled in me this, this you know, passion for education and curiosity from a young age. And I think that's really what inspired me to pursue the career that I'm pursuing now in the education space. Um, I started off my career as a teacher and have done a few roles since leaving the classroom. But I've always been excited to see young people grow and thrive in whatever setting that is, whether it was in my classroom or in a summer program that I was running. And it's part of the reason why I'm so excited to be joining your podcast today to share a little bit more of my story and um, hopefully inspire others to become education innovators, entrepreneurs as well. Yeah, that's amazing. And yeah, kudos to your parents for really setting you off on the right path and um, instilling that importance of education in your life. So that's really a, a great tribute to them that you're sort of living that, that kind of life. So that's amazing. But I would love to hear a little bit more about what happened after you graduated from high school and kind of your college path and, and then what you've um, been into recently in terms of your business ideas and, and where you're going. Yeah, yeah. So I actually might backtrack to high school just a, a minute. Um, there are some key moments in high school that I think uh, have really sort of led me sure. to where I am now. So in um, eighth grade, actually in seventh grade, I had the opportunity to participate in a program with the Oliver Scholars Program. Their model was essentially placing Black and Latinx youth in independent schools so mm -hmm. that they can pursue post-secondary education at some of the top colleges and universities. And so I was lucky enough to get into that scholarship program. I was admitted to the Trinity School in New York City. And that for me was like such a groundbreaking moment, transferring from you know, my low income 
school in Queens, New York, and going to this very well-resourced independent school in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And it made me see all the stark inequities Mm -hmm. in the education space. Um, You know, I was going to school with incredibly wealthy peers who had just access to tutors and, you know, summer programs and all these things. And None of my peers back home had those opportunities. And so I said to myself, how can we fix the system that is clearly broken mm-hmm. where, you know, we have resilient students who want to pursue their education in earnest, but just don't have um, the same resources as other students. And how do we uh, sort of elevate and augment their voices so that they can pursue their dreams? Because many of my peers from Queens, New York, they also have dreams. They also had aspirations, but that it gets to see them through. So that was a really groundbreaking moment for me that sort of, I think, catapulted my entire education um, career. Uh, When I graduated high school, I went to Colgate University in central New York, and I immediately started diving into education. Um, I spent my summers teaching. Uh, I taught animal science. I taught English. I just wanted to get in front of students and understand you know, how do we make teaching and learning come alive? Um, So I did two teaching programs through Breakthrough Collaborative and um, Exploration Summer Program and learned a lot about pedagogy and how to build relationships with students and how to think creatively about the classroom. And those were awesome because I was a college student at that time, getting all this real world experience of interacting with students and thinking about Mm -hmm. the science behind learning. And that's pretty much why I decided to become a classroom teacher because I felt so comfortable with students in front of students facilitating their learning. Um, So after I graduated college, I was a a teaching fellow at a boarding school, which was interesting. Um, I uh, was a dorm um, parent and also had some teaching responsibilities and I coached volleyball. So I did it all in in many ways. Mm -hmm. And loved that experience, but also said to myself, there are so many other things to do in education. Let me explore and see what other opportunities are out there. Um, Mm -hmm. I worked in college admissions after that and got to visit high schools all across the country. And that experience was pretty pivotal for me because when you visit different high schools, you get a sense of what's working, what's not working, how -hmm. culture affects different Um, institutions and how they operate and how culture affects the decisions that they make about learning. Um, So I got to, you know, travel to DC and Wisconsin and, and, um, you know, Maryland and and see all these different high schools and see what students were experiencing on a regular basis um, and interact with their teachers. Um, uh, Traveling around the country is also exhausting. So (laughs) uh, I I left the world of admissions to, um, run a high school program in entrepreneurship at MIT. And, um, and that was super fun. Uh, mm-hmm. Seeing how project-based learning could be so uh, fascinating for students, how they could really thrive in academic settings where you know, they aren't just being taught, but their curiosity is being piqued and there aren't right or wrong answers students had to just discover. And I felt like mm-hmm. entrepreneurship education does that really well. It it just gives Mm -hmm. students space to explore and try things and fail in a safe environment, but also pick themselves back up and and try it again 
with whatever learnings they took away from the first time or second time or third time that they did whatever it was. Um, yeah. So that's a little bit of like my trajectory. Hopefully that answered your question. Yeah, no, it definitely did. Um, I, you, your program at MIT sounds really interesting. So I want to hear a little bit more about that. But I'm also with you on, I think, just that traveling across to see what different schools look like is so important. Um, because it really just expands your worldview, right? You, it's, it's easy for us, a tendency to believe that, you know, whatever we're experiencing in our little bubble is the way it is everywhere. And that's just not the reality. It's very kind of inequitable, as you've talked about, you know, in different places and things. Some places have, uh, you know, better opportunities or different opportunities than others. And so I think that really helps, helps us to see the bigger picture when we get an opportunity to see what schools look like. So that's great that you got that experience. But um, tell me a little bit more about your MIT program for, and this is entrepreneurship for K through 12 students. For high school students. So for high nine through 12. Okay. Um, okay. We brought them to campus for several weeks. During that time, they got um, to explore different ideas that they wanted to become ventures. We would mm -hmm. split them up into teams of four, typically sometimes three or five. And um, have them pursue those ventures, uh, you know, in real life, not just, you know, projects, but really going out into the community, doing market research, talking to real potential customers, um, and building a business uh, off the ground. And it was awesome because the program was international in scope. Mm -hmm. So we had students from uh, countries in Asia, countries in Africa, um, wow. and, and elsewhere coming to MIT campus for a few weeks to meet other students from different cultural backgrounds and start a company together. Um, there were so many innovative ideas just from the diversity of those yeah. cohorts and in that community. But I think it also made students realize that some of these world challenges, these problems that they were trying to solve were not just existing in Boston, Massachusetts, or in um, Paris, France, like, you know, they, they were able to see that climate change is something that they all care about, or, um, you know, tutoring was something that they all cared about, regardless of their uh, geographic distance or their geographic proximity. And mm -hmm. so there was a lot of just shared um, love for problem solving, um, shared passion for solving problems that were affecting mm -hmm. people they cared about. And that was really beautiful to see sort of that cultural diversity come together in a really meaningful way. I bet. Yeah. What a great experience. And so kind of all of that led you to think more entrepreneurially yourself, correct? So what did you, how yeah. did you kind of get involved with entrepreneurship yourself and what path have you taken since then? Yeah. Yeah. My first um, sort of entry point to entrepreneurship was in college. Um, I did a program at my university called Thought Into Action, uh, similar to most university incubator programs. And at the time I thought I wanted to um, start an event planning company, which I did. Um, mm -hmm. I grew up in the hospitality industry. My mom is a chef. So mm -hmm. I was like, oh, you know, I'm doing this teaching thing during the summer, but let me try my hand at event planning and, and see where it goes. <laughs> so that was my first company. I won't dwell on it because it wasn't successful, but it did inspire me to think about new problems that I wanted to tackle and uh, a new sort of entrepreneurial opportunities, which led me to teaching and learning lab, which is my current venture. Um, 
and is really centered around teacher professional development. Um, when I was a classroom teacher, I realized that I wanted to do creative things in my classroom, project-based learning, experiential learning, but I didn't always have the resources, the tools, the networks to facilitate some of those experiences. And I never had a job outside of education. So I actually didn't really know how to create authentic, meaningful project-based learning experiences because that was just not um, part, of my, part of my sort of life experiences. And mm -hmm. so when developing this project, I said, how do we make teachers or help teachers become um, more knowledgeable about what's happening in different industries so that they can mm -hmm. bring that industry experience back into their classroom so that they can reimagine their curriculum so that they can uh, support students who are exploring different career pathways. And that's what led me to teaching and learning lab. That's great. Yeah. Well, what a, an amazing adventure to get to that place. Um, what were some kind of early challenges or maybe something you're still facing in sort of getting started with, you know, your own venture like that? Yeah, that's a good question. Many challenges. The life of an entrepreneur <laughs> is not easy. Um, Correct. <laughs> so it's, it's been really challenging, I think, um, wanting to be an entrepreneur and being excited about a venture and also recognizing that like you have to pay the bills <laughs> and you have <laughs> like life to deal with at the same time. And um, I've been working on this venture part-time and it takes, a, it takes a lot out of an entrepreneur to both um, sort of see your venture through and also mm -hmm. maintain the life, the comforts of life that are important to you, particularly if you have a family. And, um, you know, it's hard, but I care enough about what I'm working on. And I've received so much positive feedback from teachers and other community members about what I'm working on that I really do want to see it through. And so I think that's one big challenge. You know, people think that you just drop out of school or quit your job and you do the entrepreneurship thing. It's like, well, no, it's, it's more complicated than that. There's life that you also need to acknowledge um, and sort of deal with. Yeah. Um, so that's can, one thing. Yeah. It can definitely be a bit of a risk, right. To take that. Um, you know, it's one thing to do it part-time on the side and try to manage that. Uh, but at some point you have to decide if that's going to be a full-time, you know, opportunity for you or, if you continue to, to do that part-time. So um, definitely the risk involved can be a, a bit of a challenge for sure. Right, do, you, right. do you feel like there's been anywhere that you have um, really gotten some information that was helpful for you? And, and I know we talked a little bit off um, the podcast about your master's degree that you did. So maybe tell us a little bit about that and any other places that you've gotten information about becoming an entrepreneur that might be helpful for somebody. Yeah, my graduate program um, definitely helped. I did a master's in education entrepreneurship and it provided a lot of structure um, mm -hmm. to have coursework that helped guide me through the process. And I think even more importantly, a community of other people who were starting ventures at the same time who were experiencing yeah. the same things that I was going through. It was an executive style program. So all of us had full-time jobs and we were Mm -hmm. sort of traveling to um, campus once a month or sometimes more than that to um, go to class and things like that.
but we had community. We had people to commiserate with. And that was so important because yeah. uh, we uplifted each other in awesome ways and reminded each, o- reminded each other that the reward um, mm-hmm. was so much greater than the risks that we were taking in terms of becoming entrepreneurs. Sure. Um, uh, apart from the graduate school program, um, I think a big uh, support for me was um, just having access to teachers and talking mm-hmm. to my users often. Yeah. Um, that was huge for me because the more teachers I talked to, the more I realized that there were people out there supporting me. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because when I launched my pilot, I sent out an email to all of my teacher friends or people that I had interacted with and said, hey, I'm, I'm finally getting started, would love your support. And they like blasted it out to everyone, mm, which was so awesome to see. And yeah. I was prepared you know, to support five teachers in my pilot program. We mm-hmm. ended up getting over 25 applications, awesome. quite a bit over 25 applications. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much interest. <laughs> like, can I grow, grow this pilot cohort? And I got funding to do so, which was awesome. And it's because I was able to tap into something that teachers really wanted, that they were mm-hmm. looking for, um, a need that they had. And, um, and, you know, those same teachers became influencers, advocates, champions for me. And that's really special. Yeah, that's great. And it sounds like that support system whether you're in a master's program or outside of one is kind of the most important piece there to find other people that are interested and other people that can support you and are kind of doing the same thing. So I think that's great advice. Um, What advice other than kind of finding a mentor would you give to entrepreneurs that are interested in getting started with something? Hmm. One piece of advice, um, and I'm, I'm trying to sort of think through how to word it in my head. Uh, <laughs> um, don't be afraid to talk to people, especially funders, about money early. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I'm sure different people have different thoughts on this, but you know, mm-hmm. I work in fundraising full-time. And so I think a lot about how people um, identify their philanthropic priorities, how people fund certain initiatives, how people invest their resources. And so um, I had the good fortune of approaching funders early in my process, even before my pilot program and talking Mm -hmm. very candidly about, here's what I need to resource this thing. And I would love your support if it's philanthropic, if it's a small investment, great. If it's not, that's also okay. but there are other ways to engage you if not financially, like perhaps we can continue the conversation about advocating for me in front of, you know, your company or something like that. Having those conversations early and often is so important so that you have access to those networks whenever you need them. Um, It's, it feels uncomfortable to talk to people about their wealth. It feels uncomfortable Mm -hmm. to talk to people about investing in you and in your ideas. Um, but you know, people are open to that conversation and it's only awkward if you make it awkward. Asking yeah. people questions is, is not a bad thing. Just be respectful. Um, but people are open to help helping you, but you have to ask for the help. So that's 
one piece of advice. Yeah, that's great advice. I think that is a big hurdle for a lot of um, people interested in being an entrepreneur is the financial, you know, they tend to to, uh, not move forward because they're afraid that they don't have enough money or that they can't find enough money in order to get started. And I I think that's important that um, I think it's kind of a trend that I've heard from most entrepreneurs is that there's always going to be hurdles and things to get over and you just kind of have to take them one at a time and keep working your way through. And there are solutions for almost any, um, you know, hurdle that you can find out there. And financial is definitely, I think, one that a lot of people get stuck on. So thank you for sharing that. I think that's important. So tell us a little bit about your plans for the future. Where are you thinking that um, your business can grow and, and what else are you thinking that you might do in the future? Yeah. Now that the pilot is over, I am definitely looking ahead. Um, so I'm in the process of uh, incorporating as a nonprofit. So all of that paperwork and um, you know, getting legal support to make sure that I can really move this forward. Um, I'm actually hoping to uh, experiment with a few other um, iterations of the program moving forward. So this coming spring, we're actually doing a week-long action learning lab where oh. teachers get to serve as consultants for a company uh, that's, that's aligned with their discipline. So we're approaching a few different companies right now that, so I'm not able to share too much yet, but um, as an example, you know, we're going to bring together a group of English teachers who might serve as uh, a consultant for the Boston Globe, and they'll get to sort of experience some of the things that are happening in the workplace by, uh, you know, having them dig into this real life issue that the company is struggling with. And so they get to see some of the skills that their students might exercise if they were ever to pursue a career in some of those spaces. Uh, mm-hmm. And the teachers also get to leverage their expertise as, you know, critical thinkers, readers, writers, uh, in a workplace setting that they're not accustomed to, but could really leverage their expertise as English teachers. So I'm really excited for those week-long action learning labs. I think they can be incredibly powerful. And to be honest, like, you know, business schools do this all the time. So we know that these types of experiential learning opportunities work and are effective and really push Mm -hmm. people outside of their comfort zone to learn more and experience more. So I'm excited for teachers to um, participate and, um, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, that sounds incredible. And I can see why you have um, people that, you know, teachers that are interested in doing that for sure. How can our listeners get in contact with you? What, what kind of resources um, do you have? Do you have a website or what other ways can they reach out to you? Uh, that's a great question. Our website <laughs> is in progress, um, okay. but I am accessible via email and via LinkedIn uh, email address is Marvin, my first name, M-A-R-V as in Victor, I-N, at tl-lab.org. Uh, so Marvin at tl-lab.org, teaching and learning lab. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Marvin Vilma, and I love connecting with any and everyone. Uh, so please do <laughs> connect. I'm excited to hear from you all. That's great. And we'll be sure and put your email and other information in the the podcast notes as well. So is there anything else that you'd like to share um, with entrepreneurs about life in general, getting started? Um, Just anything else that you want to share at the end? Yeah, now's the time. Um, Education is at this weird inflection point where things are changing and evolving pretty rapidly. If you're an entrepreneur, now's the time to make your mark. Obviously, you know, pay attention to the landscape, see what's going on, see how can you 
how you can augment what's existing or potentially create something new. Um, but it feels like if not now, then when? Um, it's a great opportunity to be an entrepreneur. So do it. I agree. It is a great time to be an innovator in education. So thank you. I so appreciate you being here today to join us and I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks for inviting me. Take care, everyone.